Let's go! The Football Frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The Football Frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Three o'clock hour is here on a Monday. We cut out at five o'clock for Monday Night Football. Really interesting game coming up with the Cowboys and the Eagles. Candy, we'll get to your Giants <laughs> and my Jets. Oh, boy. Uh, we'll get to them in just a little bit. We'll have a Monday Night Football preview around 4.30. Do you know anyone who has a family filled with both? Cowboys and Eagles fans in the same family? No, are yeah. you? Do you know someone like that? Because that seems I like actually, a rare combination. I actually do know a married couple, and I was around them last night, and it started last night. They're like, uh, the husband was joking. He's like, we stopped talking at midnight, uh, except that they they started before midnight, and it, it got it got uh, uncomfortable. Thank God for the Philly special, by the way, because otherwise those two people would have just about nothing to feel good about for the last two decades. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Well, right now the Cowboys are feeling a little better than the Eagles, I guess. I'm not sure why, but we'll have a preview of that coming up. And, again, we're here at Twin Peaks getting ready for Monday Night Football. Come on in. Happy hour's going uh, right now until 7. Then they've got a late-night happy hour. you got cheap beers. The appetizers are really good. was munching on some fried pickles last week. Always love the chicken fingers. Chicken finger connoisseur. Very up there here at, at Twin Peaks. All right. All right, enough chicken fingers. Crunch, crunch, right? Let's get to a little football. Uh, we were just talking about college football and uh, some of the Arm- Armageddon that happened over the weekend and uh, what could be developing in the future. i got to mention uh, a couple more games from the weekend. We just talked about Oklahoma and Spencer Rattler and Oklahoma just you know, struggling every week. They're winning. They're winning, but they're struggling. Not what we expected from that offense. How about, and I know a lot of folks who thought, hey, Wisconsin is the team in this one, minus six and a half. Notre Dame, look at the competition they've played. Uh, they've been so tight in certain games, and they had to go to the wire extra time with Florida State, and look what Florida State has turned out uh, to be in the end. Holy crap. That's, that one had a sting for Wisconsin. Mertz struggles again. Uh, Jack Cohn didn't make it through the game, but he was the, uh, the guy who left Wisconsin to go to Notre Dame, and Notre Dame freaking ran them off the field. Another network before the season, I was talking about the opening game between Penn State and Wisconsin this year and saying, yep, let's have some fun with this matchup of disappointing quarterbacks. And the other host challenged me and said, well, I've got a Heisman ticket on Graham Mertz. And I wanted to say you could have given me the money if you just wanted to give it away. Okay. Uh, Graham Mertz, look, you, you can blame it on the COVID if you want to blame it on COVID from last year. But I think what you've seen this year is that Wisconsin has quarterback problems. It has systemic problems. Uh, this is not your grandfather's or your father's Wisconsin team. Um, beyond that, Notre Dame, congrats to Brian Kelly. Congrats for, uh, for the accomplishment. <laughs> However, I think you also look at that Florida State game and realize that yeah. no one is that much better than anyone else this year in college football. No. And for the Notre Dame backers, and could Notre Dame get into the college football playoff with a loss? I suppose. Uh, but this schedule, and in fact – 
I don't know if the line moved. I saw Notre Dame fans flipping out. Did you see the Cincy Notre Dame opening number? Cincy opens as a two point favorite on Sunday. Where are we now on this one? Some two and a halfs out there. Cincinnati. The whole point is Notre Dame fans just got a big victory, but the schedule is so freaking brutal. Cincy, Notre Dame, Notre Dame at VTech, then USC, then North Carolina, then Navy, then Virginia. Yeah. Season closes out with GTech, much improved, and at Stanford. That's a three or four loss team. That's incredible. So that's the way it's going to be every week in college football. Every single week. Uh, also, in our football frenzy today, boy, oh, boy, the Josh Allen haters, nowhere to be found. Well, the number one critiquer of Josh Allen, not on the show today, I don't know that he would have had much to say, um, possibly some ridiculous take that would have suggested yesterday that that wasn't Josh Allen, it was all the help around him. Oh, my God. The Bills looked incredible. Josh Allen was a freaking monster. Uh, America's hero, Cole Beasley, had a big game. Again, it's one good game after two not-so-good games, but Josh Allen yesterday looked like a $42 million man, Candy. I feel so bad for Hill. I really do. Um I mean, it's really he'll, he'll have something for us tomorrow. He's on tomorrow. He'll have something for us. There'll be something that Josh Allen well. did, that did that didn't rate well with PFF. Well, Josh Allen looked fantastic yesterday. I think the scary part is you look at that Washington defense and think, wow, um, that front seven is really good. And again, after last year being one of the best defenses in the league, that front seven is really good. And then the back four, oh, my God. That coverage in Washington is awful. Do you think the back four may be a little jacked mentally by some of the stuff off the field? I know you're supposed to just walk on the field and, and play, but what the frig was that with Landon Collins? Dude. Oh, oh. Yeah, I mean, that that's, yeah, that's, that's scary. Um, that, that's scary stuff. But in the end, I think this Washington team shows how hard it is to repeat defense year in and year out. Maybe that's what Adam can take out of it, that Washington just um, – isn't any good defensively, and that's why Josh Allen looks so good. But we just wanted to see a little bit of Josh Allen from last year just to remind ourselves that it's in there. Um, And it it was very much in there last week. And look, uh, while the Chiefs realistically should be 0-3 at the moment, uh, you look at the Buffalo Bills and think to yourself, okay, 35-0 last week against a somewhat crippled Miami team, and then they rolled Washington off the field this past week so they're nearing 80 points over the last two weeks maybe this buffalo offense is going to get back on track and then there were the bears yesterday justin fields the guy who said in the preseason eh, doesn't seem that fast out here i'm good as soon as he said that i remember him saying that the the speed of the game man eh, not a big deal dude Okay, was that on field yesterday or on Matt Nagy? Because there are a lot of people in Bearsland who are like, this guy is terrible. Even worse than that, and I don't believe this, there are people out there who are like, Nagy did that on purpose. 
just to show everyone Justin Fields ain't ready. What kind of game plan was that? Isn't it interesting that that's exactly what we heard about Matt Nagy last year when he didn't want to put Mitchell Trubisky back out there, right? Say, so, oh, Matt Nagy's trying to show everybody, hey, look, look what I have to work with. Oh, is that what he's doing again this year? Now he's doing it with the rookie quarterback? Because to me it seems like you, as part of the brain trust that got one more year to try to fix this thing, wouldn't be in the business of proving anything to anyone. Right now, you can expect Justin Fields to have a game that looks like that. You know why? Because Trevor Lawrence has had multiple games that have looked like that. This is on Nagy. This is on the coaching staff. It's been on the coaching staff and the front office in Chicago for years now. And I would say that a 6 of 20 performance should be enough for Bears ownership to say, why are we waiting until the end of the year with a lame duck coach and a lame duck general manager? Pull the trigger. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Because the Packers last week, I should say last night, started to look like the Packers again. And if that's the case, then this Bears team's going nowhere in this division. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher, and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. We were down 14 to the Baltimore Ravens, too, as well. And so I think that was kind of the first thing we talked about and thought about was, you know, defense is going to keep us in this, and we just got to go out and make plays and move the ball. Thankfully, you know, they had a big safety right there to get us a 14-2, but I don't think anybody panicked because we knew everything we did was self-inflicting, and uh, the defense was going to play hard and keep us in it, and they did, and we won the game. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. You're here at Twin Peaks on a Monday night. Adam Candy's here. It's Steve Cofield, Ari, holding it all together back in the Finley Toyota Studios. Let's continue to break down week three in the National Football League. Talk a little Raiders. That was Hunter Renfro on the way back. Solomon Wilcox played in the league. Does radio for Sirius XM, and he joins Cofield and company here in Vegas. Solomon, how you doing, buddy? Steve, Adam, hey, I'm doing great. Uh, great to be on with you today. Uh, we are thrilled to be covering a good story in the Raiders. Listen, I mean, you can cover teams that are kind of, you know, mid-level and also losing teams, and there's still stories, but uh, it's awfully fun here right now in Vegas with a 3-0 football team. Hey, look, when you're winning the way that you're winning, you're right. And a lot of this was sort of anticipated, and it's kind of nice to see that the players are delivering, right? A lot of moves have been made. The expectations went up even higher entering 2021. And uh, how about this? The players have decided that they're going to do something about it and deliver. And um, I, I think it's a lot of fun to see. Well, I mean, one of the big storylines so far has been the passing numbers of Derek Hart. He's been brilliant, 1,203 yards in the air. But, you know, part of that is uh, people are starting to, you know, double and triple Darren Waller and other guys have to step up and Carr's got to have confidence in him. And to this point, Renfro and Ruggs and Brian Edwards have they've just taken that next step. And it's fun. It's great to see because these are the guys that everyone was beginning to like, look, use these draft picks on these players, particularly at the wide receiver position and edge rushing positions, right, and, and, and on the defense. But really at the wide receiver position where you have this quarterback, a lot of us have always thought that Derek Carr was a special player, uh, that if he would have been maybe bequeathed to some other coaches or some other teams that, you know, that people would look differently upon him. I didn't like the way 
personally that when he left Oakland, I saw the way that they treated him, and I, I was incensed because I just knew the guy was um, deserved better. I know he's a much better player. He's a wonderful leader. Um, and you see all the growing pains that these young quarterbacks are going through, whether it's Trevor Lawrence, or Zach Wilson, or Sam Darnold. Eric Carr went through some growing pains, but he didn't suffer the way that these guys are because he came in more prepared and more ready. Um, and But he still had to go through some of those early growing pains of not having successful Sundays. But you see now he has the talent around him. Brian Edwards is stepping up. Terry Rowe, over the last few weeks, he, he hears the critics, <laughs> and he stepped up. I love the way Zay Jones has kind of come over and fit right into the to the mix. Yeah, Darren Waller, last year, he put himself in the same conversation with George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. And he's remained humble. He continues to work hard. And I think he has his eyes set on the destiny that can take him pretty far. But right now, he just wants to win for this football team. So you still consult with Pro Football Focus, and, and our station and our hosts, most of them really like PFF. And there's, um, there's an interesting situation going on right now because outside of Colton Miller on the offensive line, uh, they've got a bunch of injuries, and then a lot of the guys who have filled in, the new linemen, just have not rated well with PFF, and yet the Raiders' offense was really humming yesterday. How do we kind of come to grips with the ratings of the offensive line, which haven't been good, like I said, outside of Miller, but the offense is still producing. Because here, let's face it, when you throw the ball quick, they're, they're, they're like on certain plays, we don't want to ever negate the offensive line. I think people looked at the Super Bowl last year and saw what Patrick Mahomes was not able to do when your offensive mm-hmm. line is suffering. And I think, you, you, you know, you're not going to get a guy like me to – downgrade an offensive line or maybe negate their importance. But if, say, if I throw a quick bubble screen to the outside, you think the offensive line um, played a huge role in that play? What if I throw a quick slant or a quick fade route to the corner? Did the offensive line play good a role, a huge significant role in that play? Right. No, is the answer. Yeah. So I'm just and it's just like People talk about PFF maybe downgrading a running back. Well, the running back ran through a gaping hole, and he gets 15 yards on the play. Um, and the first time he encountered a defender was 15 yards downfield and got tackled. Well, what did he really – what What was his contribution on that play? So we have this bar that says there's a player above – a perform above expectation. That's where, just like you or I, if you're – you were raking the leaves in the yard. Your dad is going to – he's like, son, that's, that's, you did the least amount of work. You did what was expected. <laughs> he was going to be impressed when you, when you achieved above expectation, right? So that's, don't take the grade overly serious. Or if, if you got a good grade, don't go out and have a party. If you get a bad grade, don't cry in your beer. Let's let the season play out. Um, but we believe in our grades. We stand by that. Uh, there's no doubt. A lot of work goes into that. A lot of film watching, a lot of accumulation of a lot of data. Um, and it bears out over time. It really does. Using that analogy and probably carrying it too far, um, Pat Mahomes has pretty uh, been pretty happy with what Patrick Mahomes has done raking the leaves over the course of uh, his career. Um, I think we all get used to seeing a very good 
leaf-raking job by Patrick Mahomes. And so when it, even for a three-week stretch, when things don't look right for the Chiefs, we're sitting here with a 1-2 start for Kansas City that could easily be 0-3 and, and saying, should we be worried about the Chiefs at all? So I'll ask you, Solomon, are you worried about the Chiefs at all? You know, a lot of these, if you look at all the teams, look at the Raiders, look at the Raiders game. They could easily be 0-3-2, right? But you probably wouldn't feel that way because you feel good about what they've accomplished. But this is what happens inside of every building. Don't worry about the record because we, yes, you could easily be 0-3. You could easily be 3-0. and These games come down to the final moment. Every since I've been around this league, even at the player, as an analyst, as a reporter. I stood in a mini locker room and heard the coaches talk to the team. You know what they all they all say the same thing. God, this thing don't come down to the end. This ain't college football. Where the kids say, hey, you know what, I'm gonna be a dentist one day. I don't need to go out here and get my teeth kicked in by Alabama. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no. And in the NFL everybody these are grown men. There ain't no quitting. I mean Listen, when the Raiders were down 14 nothing, I knew they were coming back. Hey, this is going to happen week in and week out. That's the NFL. So I look at, yeah, the Chiefs could be easily 0-3, but they could easily be 3-0. and I mean, that's the razor edge that you have in the NFL. It is that competitive. Coaching matters. Playmaking matters. Every metric really does matter. And it's a razor's edge between being the number one seed or the number six seed. And then somebody saying, well, you barely made the playoffs. But you made it because there's a lot of teams that aren't going to make it. And then that six seed can go on and win a Super Bowl. Because they know that that razor's edge is not margin is so thin that that team that's the number one seed ain't that much better than us if we just show up and hit somebody in the mouth. So, Kansas City Chiefs are going to keep playing. I do think they have some holes in deficiency defensively, particularly at the linebacker position. Teams are running with impunity on them. Um, and you can see teams are making plays. I think the quarterback, I think Patrick Mahomes is, you can see some in, un, undisciplined decision-making is creeping into his game. I like to see him speed up the operation, getting rid of the ball quicker as opposed to holding on to it and trying to buy more time. And that's where I think um, it is in that extending of plays and escaping the pocket where the undisciplined things are starting to creep into this game. But I'm still high on Patrick Mahal. Solomon Wilcox joining us here on Cofield Company. Uh, Solomon, you talk about the, the Razor's edge of the NFL week to week. And so I'm curious, three weeks in, are there any things that you've seen thus far in the NFL that you think are sticky, that are permanent, that are you see three weeks of it in the current season here, and you say to yourself, yeah, I think this team, this player, et cetera, this change that we saw is for real. What's what's jumped out to you? Um, I think pass covered. I think as long as those, like, you know, Broncos have one of the best defenses right now in the NFL. Vic Fangio has put together a defensive unit that, I'm telling you, they're good. They're good at man coverage. They're good at zone coverage on the back end. They can rush the quarterback. It's the defense. Um, and pass coverage is a, is a stable metric. In other words, your ability to make plays on the ball, I'm not talking getting interceptions, but just keeping the completion percentages down and making it hard on quarterbacks. The Rams, 
defense you saw yesterday, that's a real deal. I mean, they've beaten Tom Brady twice over the last two years because that's consistent. Their ability to play defense is a stable metric. Pressure and coverage are two things that always equate to winning football. And so those teams that could do that, and that's why Carolina Panthers, I, be, I don't believe that's a fluke. I don't believe that that's going to go away, right? I believe that that's going to, it's going to be constant because the, the things that they're doing to win games are uh, based on stable metrics. Uh, the Raiders' improvement on defense, I think, has allowed them to be more stable. You and I both know this offense still scored 30 points more last year. Unfortunately, the defense has given up 30 or more points, and it was harder to win games. But now that the defense uh, is is not giving up nearly as many points and as many as explosive plays, it has uh, equated into the ability to win more games. Um, they're going to have to continue to improve, but those are the things that, that I look at, and those are the things that tend to be very consistent. Solomon Wilcox on Cofield and Company. You played for the Bengals, Steelers. They played yesterday. How about is this one sticking? What we've seen from the Steelers, especially in the fourth quarter, the last couple of weeks, are they in trouble? Oh, yeah, they're in trouble. They're in trouble because think about it, man. I mean, you lose a T.J. Watt, that's not good. I mean, we always like to use that next man up. It's just a theory, right? It's a theme you like to have your players believe in, but if you take a look at the salary cap, I think you'll see that there's no next man up after T.J. Watt. I mean, that just the way they structure salary tells you there's a prioritization there, right? So when you start to lose your front-line guys, and they, they had several guys who were out of that game yesterday, the real answer was going to be could the Cincinnati Bengals go into um, Pittsburgh and and, uh, you know, why their chest was bare, but they strike the death blow, and they, they were able to do that. Um, ben is aging. Um, this six months away from his 40th birthday at 39 years of age, he missed a wide-open James Washington down the sideline at, in the fourth quarter of the game, even though they had 10 drops by receivers. Juju Smith was out. Um, Deontay Johnson was out. Uh, so there are some things that are failing around Big Ben, but I think we're st- I think we have to admit that we're seeing his game decline as well because they're putting so much on Ben. He had uh, what 67 dropbacks yesterday, 58 pass attempts. That's not what you ask a 39 year old quarterback to do. You got to give him more balance than that. So hey, uh, credit to the Bengals because they played lights out, came in and got four sacks, two interceptions. Um, only gave up 10 points in the game. Joe Mixon is still the straw that stirs the drink. But Joe Burrow is a dude now. He's, this guy's a competitor. And he's he's uh, ahead of his years when it comes to his football intelligence. If they keep him healthy, they got a chance to do something special. It's only three weeks in, but it's kind of crazy how a couple of the narratives from the preseason with the Bengals have gone bye-bye. And that was, uh, you know, Burrow coming back and maybe not being 100%, and uh, Jamar Chase not being able to catch the football. He's been pretty good so far. You're doing a podcast each week, right? Was it a Believe podcast on the Bengals? Did it today. Uh, we had Tyler Boyd on, on board with us, with myself and Adam Pacman Jones. Nice, and, nice. And, and Tyler Boyd was great because he talked about during that period during the preseason where Jamar Chase 
was ha- putting the ball on the ground. And I remember asking him in the thing, I said, hey, what, what were you saying to him? Because this is a guy where it's almost his confidence was hanging in the balance. He said, Solomon, he said, man, this guy is a dog. <laughs> Hearing, he don't spend one minute worrying about what people saying about him on social media. He's not that kind of dude. He said, this dude has been the alpha ever since he ever stepped on a football field. He said, we all knew what he could do. We watched him when he was at LSU. He said, every single guy in his locker room had his back because we knew who he was. And I don't know if you guys saw that catch he made yesterday, man. He caught the back end of the football, um, and it was a 34-yard bomb. He had to go get it. He had a 42-yarder last week against the Bears and a 50-yarder against the Vikings. This dude is doing this with regularity. So, yeah, he's changed a lot of minds. You're right. That that narrative died a quick death. Right? Stripes on the football, no stripes. Okay. That one disappeared. All yeah. right. Let, let's wrap on this, Solomon. You can hear Solomon on uh, Sirius XM. What happens tonight? Cowboys, and we're always looking at the number, Cowboys three and a half against the Eagles. Yeah, I, you know, listen, I, I like the Cowboys, but, you know, when you start losing offensive linemen, man, that, yeah. you know, that takes away your ability to do things. The Eagles are better. They always had a really good defensive front. You know, they're without Brandon Graham also, even though Fletcher Cox is arguably one of the top five interior defensive linemen in our game today. He doesn't get enough credit for the career he's had or for the game he brings to the table. He's going to stress that offensive line. Dak's going to have to move to his right, to his left. He's not going to be able to climb the pocket as readily as he's been able to. Um, the Cowboys have a potent offense. I think what people are going to realize, though, can this defense really start to make um, game-changing plays? That, that hangs in the balance. I don't know what the Eagles are just yet. I know I love me some Devontae Smith. Um, Jalen Hurts, I think he can be inconsistent. He needs to be a more consistent passer. But so far, he's grading out high now. Uh, the guy is coming off a couple of good weeks of, of good football. So we're going to find out more. Week three, um, the mascara begins to come off, and we get to really see who we're dating here, right? Solomon, that was awesome, man. We appreciate the insight. Thank you so much. Appreciate you guys. Take care. There he is, Solomon Wilcots, and he is right. Everything uh, begins to change now as we move into week four. End of week three is tonight here at Twin Peaks. It's Cowboys and the Eagles. Uh, I want to get to the Cowboys a little later on when we're uh, we're previewing the game around 4.30. You know, I mentioned earlier I was a freaking mental gaff. I was talking about Landon Collins and the, the football team and the bribe, and Lyle Collins is the guy who's in trouble with the bribe stuff. My God. For an offensive line, you know, that was, was already beat up, and he's down for five games. What the hell? What do you, what do you think is going to happen with him? We gonna see him this season? I cannot imagine the league taking anything but a firm stance on someone trying to bribe a drug test collector. And I know someone who's done that job. Um, they are not the kind of people you mess with. Uh, you know, they are not the people to be trifled with, both at that level and at the level that is controlling them from the league. I, it's gonna be a while, I think, before we see Lyle Collins. Twin Peaks, Monday night we got 75 TVs inside, nine out on the patio. There's a nice breeze coming in to the patio. Uh, the big draft beers got some under $4 and appetizers, two 
four and six bucks. This is the spot for Monday Night Football, and you heard it. It's the Cowboys and the Eagles. Really good rivalry going down here on Eastern. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Derek Carr back into the gun. Handoff. Breaks. Barber breaks free at the 40, 35, 30, 25, 20. Pushed out of bounds at the 18-yard line. Peyton Barber with a big-time run, and the Raiders could be in business. Inside Twin Peaks, it's Cofield and Company. One of the big heroes of the day, Peyton Barber. Brent's on the call there on Comp 92.3 and uh, Raider Nation Radio 920. Lots to get to aside from the Raiders. We'll get into the uh, LVR victory yesterday. Start looking ahead to a tremendous Monday night matchup. That's going to be a lot of fun next week here at Twin Peaks against the Chargers, but bouncing around the league a little bit. Uh, Candy, I don't know how much you scan social media on Sunday night, but it's a, it's a fun place. Twitter's a fun place because, you know, there's reaction and overreaction to lots of stuff that happened, right? So uh, I noticed our uh, friends over at the, uh, LV Locally, she posted, uh, suddenly everyone in Vegas is a Raiders fan. Weird. Okay, a little commentary on maybe people jumping on the bandwagon. That happens, right? So then I see a comment from what looks like a Packers fan. I mean, their handle says Packer fan. Am I, going, am, I, am I making an assumption there, or are they just trying to trick us? Why don't you ever do your own research, Cofield? <laughs> uh, Packer fan says, in response to the Raiders' success, you are at week three of 17, wait until the playoffs. That's when it gets real. So I was like, eh, i got to take a little poke here. I said, wait until next year, and Aaron Rodgers is gone. That's when it gets real. Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the person responded by saying, where is he going? Okay. Are Packers fans under the belief that Aaron Rodgers is coming back? Talk about overreaction Monday to a dramatic victory. He ain't coming back. He's, he's been friggin' talking about this departure and his frustration with Green Bay management right up into the season and hinting at it more and more when he does his spot with McAfee. So anyway, this is the last year for Aaron Rodgers. I'm pretty confident of that. Uh, this person listed, where is he going? Washington, Atlanta, Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, Giants, Miami. Nobody else needs a quarterback. Really? Is that right? It's week three. We have no idea how the season is going to play out with certain teams, Candy, and their quarterback situations. These are all teams that could also use a quarterback at the end of the year if certain things happen, right? Ready? Broncos, Patriots, Jets. I don't think he's going to go there. Broncos, Patriots, Jets, Browns. The, the, if, if Baker Mayfield collapsed and sucked the rest of the year, they could walk on Baker Mayfield, move him, and say, we're not giving you the long-term contracts or long-term contract. Broncos, Patriots, Jets, Browns, Raiders. I have no idea what's going to happen the rest of the year with Derek Carr. I'm confident they have a quarterback of the future. They, I guess they should sign him, and then those questions would end. Eagles, Bears, Vikings, Saints, Niners. Can you see any of those teams? Jet, he's not going to go to a team like the Jets. But do any of those teams have a final 100% lock, you know, locked in stone 
quarterback situation. Your friend Packers fan on yeah. Twitter is like someone where the spouse is packing the boxes, moving them out to the truck, and they're thinking, yeah, you know what? They're probably they, they might still come back. You know, yeah. I mean, we, we had a good thing for a long time. They're not just going to give up on that. They'll come back. Did, come, you, see I the, mean, did you see the look they gave me? They're going out on. to the truck as they were walking a box out. They looked a little sad. I think they're coming back. That, that was a tear. No, they got some they got some dust from the boxes. That's it. That's that's all it was. So uh, that's your friend Packers fan on Twitter. We're not talking about teams that need a quarterback next year. We're talking about teams that would need Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers, yes. That is a yes. much different yes. story. Yes. Like, the Kansas City Chiefs do not need Aaron Rodgers, and for as long as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have this version of Tuami, they don't need Aaron Rodgers either. Go ahead and tell me what other team, yes, Buffalo, I'm talking to you, wouldn't take Aaron Rodgers over who they have Ooh. right this moment. Come those on. Fight, those are fighting words. Those are fighting words for Charger fans, too. They're all geeked up right now. Oh, I mean, look, they reason to be geeked up. Justin Herbert is a joy to watch. But it's Aaron Rodgers. Stop it. Just stop it. Every team in the league, with the exception of a couple that I mentioned, are taking Aaron Rodgers. Come on now. Do you want to carry the stupid analogy even farther? Um, if you're in a relationship or you're married and you and your significant other have the list, the free passes, Aaron Rodgers is on everyone's free pass list. Everyone. One night, one season with Aaron Rodgers, and you're throwing it all away. I thought one of the other – let's get back to yesterday and some of the themes around the day. I thought one of the other themes yesterday was, well, the respect for the quarterback on the other side, so much so that you're like, okay, we can't do football norm and kick a field goal. We got to score and we've got to keep it away from the opposition. Did did little Shanny gaff that when you're in a situation, what was the score at that point? 27-21, the Niners were down, they're inside a minute. Can you start thinking about not only scoring a touchdown, but also making sure you run down the clock even further than 37 seconds, or is that too hard? It's not too hard at all. We've seen it happen year in and year out. Think back to the Giants Super Bowl where Ahmad Bradshaw didn't want to go into the end zone and fell in like he was doing a uh, you know like a drill in the toilet. You know what I mean? Like he's like oh oh, oh I'm done. Like I, I fall and I can't get up. Um, you've done a drill in the toilet, Cofield. Let's not talk toilet again. I, I someone talked talk to me last night. They were like, "Are you talking about wiping your butts?" A couple weeks ago, I'm like, "Yeah." Go- oh yeah, long. the goofy food might, pooper. Might, the goofy might, food might have gone a little. Might have gone a little long on that one. Yeah. Sh- shout out to uh, shout out to P1 Sean, uh, the <laughs> goofy footed <laughs> pooper. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like the thing about Shanahan's situation with Jimmy Garoppolo last night. It, it wasn't just the last play where they snapped the ball with. 13 seconds left on the play clock. It was the play before that, too. They gave away 13 seconds on the play before that, too. You basically gave Aaron Rodgers a free 25 to 30 seconds that you didn't have to if you would have run the clock all the way down to its logical conclusion and snapped it right before the zeros. But, Cofield, if you want to truly play the math game, you got to go after the Packers, too. Because when it was 24-21 and they had the ball deep in San Francisco territory and they had the choice 
to either kick the field goal to go up by six or to keep the ball and potentially run the clock out themselves. Matt LaFleur made the wrong choice in that spot because the other thing, you talk about encouraging aggression, you encourage aggression from the other team when you let the lead go from three to six. And everybody out there right now is saying, well, of course you do because you want to be up more than a field goal. You want to make them go for a touchdown. Are you sure you want to make them go for a touchdown if you're up by six? Are you sure you want to give them the ball back with a chance to take the lead? Or would you rather either be able to run the clock out or maybe go score a touchdown of your own because you encourage aggression when the team is down six as opposed to down three? So what if you miss on it? Trust your defense and trust your defense to maybe hold them to a field goal and extend the game because extending the game with Aaron Rodgers versus Jimmy Garoppolo is going to go in your favor. How about what Brandon Staley did with the Chargers? And it's funny, before the game, you know I I live with a Chargers fan, right? And she's got Pat Mahomes fear, right? I mean, when you play the Chiefs, it's, it's freaking – it's hard to beat them. And you give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes – if he's got a shot, you're probably going to lose. And I remember saying before the game and even during the game, I'm like, listen, I know it's been the charge. You know, it's funny. We were watching We were watching at a local joint, and we walked in. There's a whole other element to the story. Should I tell that part of the story real quick? I'll yeah. tell in a second. I'm all over the place here. Okay. We wound up one place because we had a bail from another. This is the intensity of the SO when she's watching Charger football, right? And it's a big game. It's the Chargers Chief. She really gets into it. I shouldn't tell this because she felt bad. But we go into a place. We sit down, right? Uh, the game's not, like, perfectly on the TV in front of us. So so I walk up. I'm going to ask the bartender, hey, can you change the TV, you know, this TV over here, right? A, an older woman walks in. The place we're at is actually a Rams bar, right? And an older woman walks in, and she's the head of the Rams fan club, right? She's there three hours early, right? All of a sudden, the SO's like, Steve, 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 Steve. Right, calls me over. I'm like, what the hell's going on? She's like, we got to go. I can't stay. I'm like, all right. Well, the older woman, she likes to talk to people. She's, you know, she's a little bit lonely. This is going to sound terrible. But football day intensity was in, like, in full mode, which, frankly, we'll get to it. Like, I don't even understand this anymore because I used to be like this with the Jets games. <laughs> now I'm like, eh, whatever. But – she was like, we have to go. I, I can't watch the Chargers and the Chiefs and be chatting with this woman every other play. I can't do it. I was like, I get you. I get you. Is How's that, that horrible? Her? Does that, that make should, her a horrible but, but human being? That shouldn't being? be on her. That shouldn't be on the SO. That should be on you, wingman, to take the bullet. Oh, I'm not you taking got, it. You got to sit. You got to. Hey, I got bets you, going you on. You got to sit down with I'm Rams watching woman. the games, too. Oh, oh, oh. It's, I'm, not chatting, right. I'm not chatting her up. You're using our favorite excuse here in sports radio. I got to watch the game for work. <laughs> it really right. is. Right, right. Uh-huh. I can't talk to Rams woman. I can't talk to the lonely Rams woman. Was, the president of the fan club there three hours early. The senior citizen yeah. who loves the Rams so much that she gets to the bar three hours early. <laughs> but the Cofields, the Cofields got to focus in. Hey, man, football Sunday's intense. So, anyway, we move to the next place. There's a Chiefs fan there, right? He's sitting there watching the game. And you know what's funny? Down the stretch, when the Chargers did, did give the ball back to Mahomes with a chance, he was laughing. 
he's like, that was stupid. You ain't going to win this one. So you can imagine when the game ended on a failed Hail Mary, we turned to our right where he was sitting, and Gonzo. He was nowhere to be found. Amazing. Um, but So after that long story of treating a senior citizen horribly, and the, the Chiefs fan, um, you expect Patrick Mahomes to get things done. And I love the way Brandon Staley treated a fourth and, what, five situation? No, no, it was fourth and nine because it was fourth and four, and Slater jumped. Right. Fourth, fourth and nine! And he goes for it, and it's funny. Uh, I saw our buddy uh, Petro, who does radio in Kansas City, the, you know, the king of KC Radio, uh, they were kind of debating this whole thing. Is it our teams going for it more on fourth down because they're afraid of Mahomes or their defense sucks? They're going for it because they are afraid of Mahomes, and they're thinking that against Kansas City, you've got to put up every point possible. You hope that every team is going to do this consistently, but in order to add the win probability, and that's what this comes down to, if you're going to go for it instead of kicking the field goal in these spots, you're trying to add 3 4% of win probability in most situations. But you have to do it consistently. You can't just do it against Kansas City. In order to reap the benefit of it, you've got to do it over and over again. That's how you make the percentages play out, by consistently making that decision. So it can't just be against Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. You've got to do it all the time. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. We've carved out a huge, as we, as I said, I don't know if all New Jersey, New York people say, huge, like huge. our uh, former president, right? Uh, huge. We've carved out a massive portion of the show two minutes to talk about our teams, the Jets and the Giants. I, I, Candy, I don't know where we start. I don't have much to say because the, well, I mean, the Jets, minute, the Jets ever was so teams. pathetic. I, I, don't, I don't even have a minute. I don't have a minute. So you get a minute and 45 seconds. Absolutely. I know John Mara is a regular listener to Cofield and Company, one of our P1s. Uh, he's the guy that we got to keep eyes on. What's that? What's that, Cofield? Boo. Oh, Boo. oh, the boot. You can hear it all the way from New Jersey, huh? <laughs> Yeah, um, the Giants inducted Eli Manning into their ring of honor yesterday uh, while they were losing to the Atlanta Falcons. And John Mara, the owner, was booed at halftime and was asked by the media and said, well, we're 0-2 and we're losing. So, yeah, I'd, uh, I'd expect them to boo me. That was at halftime. They tried to ask him again after the game. What do you think about it? Uh, uh, he's not taking questions. Yeah. Uh, Warren Sharp put out a stat that I almost couldn't believe, but it's true. Uh, in the last five seasons, the New York Giants have not had a winning record at any point. They have not even been 1-0, 2-1. They have not had a single winning record in the last five years. That's how bad things are for the Giants. Giants fans like me used to love to get to mock Jets fans like you. And now you know what I can say? Nothing. Nothing because we're just as bad. Last 57 games, Jets record, 18-39. and 39. Last 57 games, Giants record, 18-39. and 39. We've got the tiebreaker. <laughs> we don't have the tiebreaker. I don't even know what the tiebreaker would be. We got rings. We we you guys have rings? That's the only reason I can't, like, ballistic complain about this thing. I can't yell about it the way I yell about the Knicks. I have four Super Bowls in my lifetime. I can't really get that upset, but that doesn't make it any more fun to watch this crap week in and week out. Man, 
If I were a Giant fan, I would drop the Giants, start rooting for the Raiders, and get a job with Las Vegas here in town. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.